0: Hello and welcome to the Alive Church in Newark podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope that you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged and inspired to pursue the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. Last week we started a new series. So we started a series called the Jesus Manifesto and we are basing in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically on the Beatitudes of Jesus. And uh, last week, Dom gave an introduction to this series. And can I encourage you to, if you didn't hear it or you want to hear it again, uh, to listen to the podcast. We have podcasts podcast now. It's very exciting. Available on all podcast platforms. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so just really to get an understanding of where it is that we're going with this series, what it is we believe God wants to do through this series And really the journey that we believe we're going to go on as a church through looking at these Beatitudes. And so um, it has fallen to me this morning to talk through the first Beatitude of Jesus. So I'm going to pray and then we will get started. Lord, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you that... um, What we're speaking on and what we're thinking about this morning are the words of Jesus. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you will speak through me this morning um, and that each of us will leave this place knowing a little bit more of you and a little bit more of what that means for us. Amen. So, we're going to be looking at the first Beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, and verse 3. And you may remember, those of you who were here last week, that Dom used the um, kind of description and analogy of the Beatitudes being like climbing a mountain. So, the first four Beatitudes are us looking to God, they're us journeying up the mountain until we have this um, mountaintop encounter with God. And then the subsequent four are us coming back down the mountain There is looking to the people around us and seeing how we can bring that uh, mountaintop moment with God back to the people around us. And so we are at the base of the mountain today. We are taking the first step towards the climb um, and we are looking up to God this morning. And the first beatitude is this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, each of these Beatitudes is structured in the same way. They all start with blessed are, and then we have a condition, something that's to be met, and then we have a consequence of meeting that that condition. And that's the journey we're going to go on together this morning. And with this particular Beatitude, it starts with blessed are, because they all do. And then the condition is being poor in spirit. And then the consequence uh, of that, consequence sounds bad, doesn't it? But in this case, good consequence. Um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to look through those three sections this morning. And um, we'll start with this, the beginning, because I'm not going to start singing Sound of Music. Um, so the word Blessed. So this is the key word, really, for this whole series because um, it's the start of every single one. So it's really important, I think, that we get an understanding of what this word means. And it's a Greek word, because the New Testament was written in Greek, called um, makarios. Makarios. And blessed is actually... um, I don't want to use the word mistranslation because the people that translated the New Testament have a much firmer grasp on Greek than I do. Um, But I guess it's not a full translation of the word. We often see this in Scripture, that our English words just don't quite hold the same meaning and weight as some of the words in the original language. We see that with everything, not just the Bible translations, but anything that's translated from one language to another. And so really, um, this word makarios it doesn't denote someone who God blesses. Rather, it's, um, it's more similar to the Hebrew word ashray which we all know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this word ashray uh, it means really someone who's to be congratulated, someone who is uh, fortunate, someone who um, is happy or content or pleased, um, but it's not... A mental state, it's not kind of a mental state of happiness or contentment, but rather a a condition of life, just the way that we live is a way that is to be congratulated, a way that is to, um, yeah, I guess we'd say fortunate, but maybe we wouldn't say fortunate. But that idea of we're living in a way that is worthy of congratulations. When we are included in the criteria that each beatitude sets out, the Bible says that we are living a life to be congratulated. And that's something I think that we all want, isn't it? It's nice when you feel like you've done something that's worthy of congratulations. That's a nice feeling. And so when we go through these Beatitudes, every single one of these is saying that if we meet this criteria, we are included in that group who are worthy of being congratulated. And so we might be wondering, well, what is today's criteria? I mean, I've already read the verse, so you you already know. But um, the criteria for the first Beatitude is to be poor in spirit. And this, for me, as I was preparing, raised two questions, really. The first one is, what is is it to be poor in spirit? And secondly, am I included in poor in spirit? Are we included in poor in spirit? So last week, um, Dom brought some connections back from the Old Testament to each beatitude. Now, if you remember, we had for each one an allusion back to the Old Testament. And in, um, for this first beatitude, it is from Isaiah 61, verse 1, which I have not written down and I'm going to try and find. Do you know, it's just, it says, i try to remember this The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me and has anointed me to declare good news to the poor and liberate the captives. And I was hoping I'd be able to find it to confirm in the meantime. That sounds about right, doesn't it? And Isaiah. Really should have used these. There's two little things as well, and I haven't used either of them. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And so that is the Old Testament link that we have for this beatitude of being poor in spirit. And now some commentators would say that this verse in Isaiah is just specifically talking about material poverty. It's those who are poor. Other commentators would say that actually it's more than that. It's more than just material poverty that Isaiah is talking about. Um, but regardless, really, of which Isaiah is talking about, we know from this passage in Matthew that Jesus is talking about more than just material poverty. Jesus is talking about spiritual poverty as well. And just as a bit of an aside, what I, um, something that I love about this link back to the beatitude is that we read in Luke chapter 4 Jesus goes back to Nazareth he goes to the place that he was brought up he goes into the synagogue to teach and he stands up and he reads from the scrolls and he reads this passage from Isaiah about um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord being on him about him having the anointing of God and how that scripture is fulfilled in Jesus and I just love that we have this link back from the Old Testament through to Jesus's kind of first teaching that we see really of him reading scripture and then we see it as the basis for the first beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount but I guess all of that that I've just said doesn't really answer the question I guess of what is it to be poor in spirit we've read that Jesus talks of it we've read that Isaiah talks of it but what what is it um I think when we think of material poverty that is something that none of us really wants to be in that position where we are materially impoverished it's not it's not a place we want to be where we are struggling to put food on the table and so it can be hard really to think of being spiritually impoverished as being a good thing but we read here in this part of Matthew that blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the spiritually impoverished. And so we can assume and deduce from that that being spiritually impoverished is a good thing. That's the first thing that we know about it. It's a good thing. And it's, it's not that we are not fulfilled by God. Spiritual poverty is not going to God and not being filled. Instead, it's knowing that we can only be fulfilled by God. It's understanding that we can't please God on our own from what we do by ourselves It's knowing that we need him and that we um, require a relationship with him to fully thrive and to fully be alive. That having that relationship with him brings completeness. Spiritual poverty is a deep desire and a deep need and a deep want for more of God. And having this spiritual poverty actually pushes us closer to God because we realize how much we need him and so we push closer in that relationship. And as a consequence, it means that we get everything good from him. It means we get our strength. It means we get our confidence. It means we get our um, affirmation and our joy and everything, our identity from our relationship with God. To be spiritually impoverished is wanting to be so full of God that there's no space to be full of ourselves. And so the question, is this us? Is this us? Are we dependent on God? Do we rely on God to fill the gap that's in us, to fill this spiritual poverty? Do we even recognize that there is a hole within us that needs to be filled? Do we feel that gap? You know, sorry, my shoes are making such creaky noises. I don't know if you can hear them, but they're making all kinds of creaky noises. They're, they keep distracting me. Um, so we can, have this relation, we can have a relationship with God and still not, experience this spiritual poverty we can have a relationship with God and still do everything in our own strength we can still believe and know and I mean this is not it's not factually inaccurate a lot of times to, to say that we are capable of doing lots of things by ourselves that and we may feel that way and we may live our lives that way that we believe we have the intellectual capacity the emotional capacity the physical capacity to do lots of things by ourselves and we only really go to God for that extra little bit when we get to the end of ourselves but being spiritually impoverished realizes that all of that emotional capacity and physical and intellectual and mental capacity all comes from God in the first place and knows that we need to involve him right from the start of everything that we do it's not just that we go to him when we realize we have trouble but that we realize that without him we are going to have trouble and so, are we dependent on God? Are we poor in spirit? Do we meet the criteria set out in this beatitude to be blessed, to be worthy of congratulation? But as with each beatitude, there is, we don't just get to be blessed, but there's also an extra thing that we get, which is good. And for today, the, um, the, consequence, of, the consequence of being poor in spirit is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. Sounds good, I think. <laughs> but what what does it mean? What does it mean? And, you know, as I was researching for uh, for today, and uh, I read through some commentaries, I read through some articles and some sermons and things, and the, you will be unsurprised, I'm sure, to hear that there is a lot of material out there on the Beatitudes. It's one of it's Jesus' kind of most famous sermon. It's probably the most famous bit of that sermon, and there's a lot of teaching on it. But a lot of them stop at this point. They say... Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, let us pray. <laughs> and so it was quite tricky to find out, you know, what does it mean? What, firstly, what is the kingdom of heaven? And secondly, what does it mean that it is ours? Now Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. Particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we see him mention the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God over 30 times. So it's obviously important to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven. And primarily they are um, described through the parables. We see Jesus describe the kingdom of heaven as a mustard seed. We see him describe it as a a king wanting to settle his accounts, a net, a fishing net to be let down off the side of a boat, a, a hidden treasure to be found in a field, and lots and lots more through his parables. And those things that I've just mentioned, the... like a treasure hidden and a king they're so different from one another a fishing net and a mustard seed are so different from one another they're so broad and also that explanation of what is the kingdom of heaven and the answer what Jesus is talking about feels a little bit cryptic and um, the reason for that the reason that Jesus's parables in particular are cryptic is because Um, I mean, cryptic's not really a good word to use, but it's the word I've chosen to use now. But um, it's because Jesus wants us to engage in what it is that he's saying. He wants us to think about the questions that he's posing. He doesn't want to just say, this is exactly what it is. He wants us to discover and question and find out for ourselves what it is that the kingdom of heaven is like. And the reason that they're so broad and so wide-ranging is because the kingdom of heaven is so vast. There's so much for us to discover. There's so much for us to dig through and to question and to find out for ourselves. We often talk about the kingdom of heaven as being now and not yet. Now and not yet. And what that really means is that you know, Jesus came and he lived a life on earth that brought glimpses of the kingdom of heaven down. We see it through his miracles. We see it through his conversations with people. We see it through his teaching. Jesus came to bring glimpses of heaven, of the goodness and the light and the mercy and the grace of heaven into a broken world. But that doesn't change the reality that we still live in a broken world. Dom has just spoken a moment ago about the situation in the Middle East that just highlights for us the brokenness of the world that we live in. We're not yet living in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven that we read about in Revelation, where every tear will be wiped dry and, and there'll be no more suffering. We don't, we don't live there yet. We're in a place where we see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven, but we've not yet fully stepped into it. So when, I think when Jesus says this verse in Matthew chapter 5, when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is that those who recognize their need for him, their need for a relationship with him, will experience more of the now part of the kingdom of heaven. That when we live in a way that forces us to press into God, a way that we realize that we need him and we need a relationship with him, it means that we'll see more of those glimpses of the kingdom of heaven, that they're ours for now as well as for not yet. You know, Jesus is inviting in this passage the poor in spirit, the people who feel broken, the people who feel tired and dry and exhausted and in need of him and desperate for him to feel like they are blessed, to feel like they are worthy of congratulation because it's in our brokenness that we inherit the kingdom of God because we have to draw on him, we have to get our strength from him. You know, this beatitude is foundational, really, to the journey that we're going on up and over the mountain. Because right at the start, it means that we have to understand our need for God, our need to even have the mountaintop moment that we talked about last week. It forces us to realise our need to make that journey. It's foundational to all of that. And this journey starts with us recognising that need, and it ends with us being called peacemakers when we bring down the presence of God. And so I kind of want to give two opportunities really today to respond to this, to the things that I've spoken of. The first thing is that maybe you are in a position where um, you've never even thought about needing jesus you've never even thought about embarking on this journey i talked a little bit ago about um not recognizing the hole in us not recognizing the gap and the need and the desire for jesus and maybe today is a day that you want to start on that journey and so i'd love to give an opportunity for that and we're going to pray a prayer together in a moment um, that we will all pray together um, but that if you've prayed that for the first time afterwards i'll just ask you when everyone's got their eyes closed to raise your hand and the second thing is for those of us that have maybe started a relationship with God, but when I asked the question, are you dependent on God? Would you define yourselves as spiritually impoverished? The answer was honestly no. That there's not that deep longing and desire for God that we've talked about. And maybe that's something that you want to bring before God this morning, that you want more of him, that you want to experience that desire and need for him. Thanks so much for joining with us. We hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did enjoy, you can subscribe to hear more from Alive Church Newark. You can share this message with your friends or you can share on your social media pages. We hope and pray you have a great week and meet with God. God bless you.